Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Joshua Best, who is a photographer and he is best known for his street and documentary photography. Um, welcome. Thank you for having me, it's very interesting to do this. <laughs> Excellent, thanks so much for coming. Uh, so I just like to jump right into things mm -hmm. and I'm really curious about obviously your come up story and where you started everything, so yeah. uh, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Toronto, okay, um, and then just kind of like lived in the city. And I would say about ten years ago, um, I got really bored at a job and fled to Asia for ten years. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. amazing! So it's funny because we were uh, before recording, we were briefly talking about uh, a little bit about Asia, yeah. and it did sound like you knew about it. But I was uh, like, oh, he's probably just traveled there. Yeah. So okay, I really want to know about that. So where in, in Toronto did you grow up? I grew up in like Little Italy area. Okay. So yeah. And like elementary and high school there? Um, no, actually I was, uh, I did a lot of my, um, my high school and everything in, um, in Mississauga. Okay. Yeah. And were you one of those kids that sort of like picked up a camera from a really young age? I think the first time I ever picked up a camera, um, I was 14 years old. Okay. And Do you remember the kind of camera it was? Actually, I know exactly what it was. It was like a disposable underwater camera. Nice. Those were so cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think so I had one, too. I had, I had that for like, I think I went to the Bahamas or something. My aunt got married, and she wanted to get married in the Bahamas, so we went down there. Um, and I still had like a couple of shots left on the camera. So I ended up at um, Brookfield Place. Um, like the build, yeah, the build, okay. no, the building, like uh, you know, the archway, that white oh, archway, yes. yeah, on Bay Street. I went down there, just I was just getting rid of the shots, and I just remember when I got the film back and I got the photographs back. I remember like looking at one of the photographs and just seeing the the reflection of the glass inside the reflection of the glass, and it was like this infinity effect, and I didn't mm. notice that when I was standing there taking the photograph. But when I looked at the photograph, I could see that infinity effect, and that kind of like amazed me. Um, and then my love of cinema is what really kind of got me into photography. Um, at that time, like being able to, you had to get the video cam, you had to do all this stuff. But I could, I got my hands on um, a couple of um, film cameras and just started uh, photographing um, with them. And you know, so photographing with the like videography. No, no, oh, sorry. Okay. With the uh, with like a at that time an SLR. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh my god, I'm thinking film. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That is my era though as well. I should know this. Right. But so, so when you actually had to insert film into oh, yeah, the camera. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I started off like shooting film, like 35 millimeter. Um, you know, I got into develop my own black and white. Um, you know, I really really in enjoyed in a dark room. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, um, so I, I did that for a while. And then I kind of like rode this line between digital and, and analog uh, for a while where I was just like developing my film and then I was scanning it into my computer and then I was using Photoshop to do my edits. Because oh, I wow. didn't have enough room in an apartment for a complete dark room, but I had enough money to grab a simple film scanner. And, you know, I got like a bootleg copy of, uh, of Photoshop and started using that. And so is this during high school or how old are you when you're doing um, this? I think, yeah, I think like end of high school, that's when I started. But I really started to, to do it, um, I guess, you know, maybe when I was like, like 20, like 20, 22 years old, something like that. That's when I really started. Because okay. I kind of messed around since I was like a little kid doing it. But then I actually started realizing I'm actually pretty decent. And what were you like, what was the first sort of thing that you were amazed by? I know you said the sort of the reflection, but yeah. did you sort of look at that and you're like, oh, damn, I have a talent? Or were you, were you like, this is cool, I want to do more of it? This was cool, I want to do more, more of it. Um, and then it wasn't until I found uh, street photographers, like, you know, like the basically the, the guys that started it all, that's when I realized like every day I go outside, every day there's a moment that will never exist again. Mm -hmm. Or there's a moment that you swear to God will not happen again, but humans are creatures of habit and pattern and it will happen again. Yeah, or like a version of it will yes, happen. Yes, and you're just like, oh, okay, this is actually not as uncommon as it seems. So when mm. I walk outside, I see photographs everywhere. Oh, wow. Like so that's all you ever see. And sometimes I'm like, don't have my camera. Or it's just like my, you know, 
cell phone wasn't quick enough to grab that. Right. You know, like the, you always have a camera now that you have a cell phone. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the, that's the thing I love about street photography is the fact that it's just an ongoing, it's just an onslaught of visual information. Nice. Yeah. And really quick question, what cell phone do you have? Because I know photographers are like the most picky about. Nope. I have an iPhone 6S. No way! But I just awesome. got this because I bought this off a friend of mine because my iPhone 5, uh, yeah, my fi- iPhone 5SE finally crapped out on me. Yeah, I bought that yeah. thing. I bought, <laughs> but I bought that thing in Hong Kong. You know, I, oh, I love okay. that thing, and it'd been all over the place with me. But it just poor thing just couldn't exist anymore. Just wasn't working anymore. Yeah. Okay, so you're in high school, you're like starting to have a love of this, and then did you feel any pressure to go to college or do anything? After? Yeah, I went to George Brown for a while. Um, you go I was for doing it? like social studies, and okay. then um, I also went for like one photography class, and I was like really bored of that. <laughs> did you feel, because how old are you? Can I ask how old you are? Uh, I, I'm 41. Okay, so I imagine that you're in school when probably you might know more than your photography teacher, or maybe about like moving like more modern photography versus like history. Yeah, I mean it was just too basic at that point. I'd already taught myself everything that that guy was teaching me, so it was yeah. really no point. Um, and I was even starting to get paid gigs and stuff like that, so I was like. Mm. So, okay. You know, I, just, like, I did it, tried it, it didn't work out. And that, you know, life goes on. Yeah, you know, okay. It's just more re- reaffirming that, okay, I already know the basics. I don't need anything else. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so then you graduate from high school yeah. and you're in, oh no, you're in college, sorry. And then yeah, you gra- yeah. What, um, were you still doing, taking photography seriously during college? Oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's when that's you kind of really started yeah, that's ramping when it up. kind of rocked up. Yeah. And were you at this point doing it professionally? Yeah, I was getting paid. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then, like, so when did you, what was it that first made you think, like, okay, I really love street and, like, documentary stuff? Um, well, I mean, the first time I saw, like, um, see, Robert Frank, like, there's going to be a lot of names. Yeah. Um, but Robert Frank, he did this book called The Americans. Robert Frank just recently died at 90-something years old. Oh, wow. Um, his, his book, The Americans, is, like, the archetype of all street photography books that would come afterwards there's a visual narrative to it and a flow to it that is pretty much unmatched throughout you know photographic history if you ask me it's just a beautifully designed book okay yeah and i wanted to ask like what was your interpretation of it is it because like it's just so beautiful looking or it's there's just something about the series and the way that he places the images like you'll have an image of um well there's like one image of this car and it's covered by like a dust cover because I guess it was taken in Nevada or something like that. And the next, when you flip over the page, it's the scene where someone who had, had been killed in a car accident and their body is covered. So you're looking at this oh. this car covered in this very serene, beautiful image, and everything is black and white. And you flip over, and there's this chaotic scene of this body lying down on the ground being covered. And you're just like, oh, oh my man. God. And then you can, you can flip through. And this is also, he took those photographs. He was born in, uh, I believe he was born in Switzerland. So he came here, sorry, came to America um, and started uh, photographing. But he kind of photographed as a tourist and he had an eye as Americans as like, you know, you know, if I travel to Asia, I look at the people in a much different way than they look at themselves. You know, mm-hmm. when you travel to another country, you're like, oh, you know, people do this and this and this. You notice these things where we yeah. take what we do... Um, you know, we just think it's a normal everyday occurrence to someone who's outside of our culture looks at that as like, that's very unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, so our love of like uh, Americans love of cars and everything else. Um, this was something that was very unusual for him. And you can see that throughout. Nice. And also the one major uh, symbol in the book is the American flag. Every new chapter mm. starts with an American flag because the American flag is everywhere in America. Yeah, right? it's just so that nationalism, common. right? Yeah. So you see that throughout the throughout the book, um, and I think that that's kind of I really love the way that he kind of looked at that and his approach for all of that, and um, and he really just yeah he he created something timeless and something that if you're starting out in photography and you wanted to get into street photography robert franks the americans is pretty much that's where you your, start that's where you would start you look at that and just be like okay that's, that's intro the to street photography I think so. 101 yeah, nice easily yeah. nice so when you finally graduated from mm-hmm. college uh did you were you like okay, i'm gonna like go full force with the photography or did nope. you like so tell me about that <laughs> so i ended up um 
like actually like when I was like in college and everything I used to work at like Foot Locker um, you know selling shoes doing that whole thing and then um, when I finished um, college I ended up at um, at this like uh, this IT firm so I was like an like a um, internet technician uh, so I'd, I'd always go around like a network technician sorry I'd go around to like different law firms in, in downtown Toronto and just kind of fix their problems oh okay so I just kind of bounced around how did you get into that or you just like naturally just started naturally with, okay. just kind of got into it and just kind of did that so I bounced around did that for, for quite a long time um, and then you know as a bartender um, you know I you know, just did odd jobs here, there, and everywhere, and I was still getting paid for a lot of my photography. Um, and at this point, sorry, I gotta yeah. uh, just interject yeah. quickly. When you're saying you're getting paid for your photography, like who are your clients? Um, sometimes it was just like models needing needing photographs. Um, different like like little stores around the area that needed photographs. Um, and were these people finding you, or were you finding them? Kind of like I, I, they found me, and I found them. It was just kind of like you know run in the same kind of circles kind of thing and you just start saying hey you know josh take photographs you can do that for me and you know so and like i started doing that more because this is obviously pre-social media right so right. like who, so yeah like more word of mouth type of thing yeah that's really all it was okay. so yeah it was it was a lot of fun to to kind of do that but i really wasn't making enough money so i ended up working with um just getting this this office job kind of thing and and just working in this this office doing human resources for a little while and then that is like the if I could pick a polar opposite job a job of a street photographer it is that yeah, <laughs> yeah not fun um, and I did that for a while you know it pays the bills everything else and I yeah. just got really sick of it and I used to do a lot of writing and everything else um, it wasn't really something I was great at but I enjoyed it um, and I just started looking at you know teaching jobs and you know teaching English or something I was like I'll just look at what's out there and I found a job in China and two weeks after I found that job I found myself sitting in Nanjing China and then I was like oh, oh my, God. my lord so wait you went there to teach English yep. oh, okay and so how the hell did that like I've heard of a lot of people doing that but like how do you even start do you just like look on a job board like yes. how do you actually <laughs> legitimately that's all you like have a Chinese do. one or no, one here there's, there's agents in in Canada America all over western countries Canadians are very well desired because we're supposed to have a quote unquote clean accent. Oh, yeah. Because if you go, yeah, if you go through the United States and stuff, there's like so yeah, many. Yeah, there's various, Jersey, yeah, there's, there's South, so many. There's, it's but true. Canada, like obviously, we have there's a variety of accents throughout our country. But if we look at like a, like the vast majority, you can kind of tell that person's Canadian, and mm -hmm. you know, we have a very clean way of of pronouncing words so it's not it's just a very benign way of speaking English right in and I, th I feel like there's less discrepancy from east to west versus yes. in the states it's oh, yes. almost like you're like whoa right yeah I mean yeah you take like the east coast um obviously we have um you know with the east coast accents and there's just so many of them and obviously um Quebec but for the most part in Canada we're, we're we there's a relatively like known accent mm -hmm. you know, so. so did they ask to hear you speak first did you have to do like a phone interview or anything no, like I just that? showed up really yeah. so they're like yeah sure come over and did yeah. you know were you teaching out of school or like did you know yeah I mean like I can explain a little bit like literally like you could not ask these things in Canada um are you white yes they asked done. that oh my oh, there it okay. is check mark done that's all you needed holy shit and what no year joke. was that that was 2006 wow so like before like you know 10 years ago but still not that long ago no like not like in the 90s or anything no. like that you know, oh my god that's crazy yeah, and so they just trusted that and then did, and then did you have to just like pay your way over and then they yeah yeah i just paid my way over um and like teaching english is not that difficult to be honest it really isn't um you you can learn pretty quickly well i would imagine like I would almost even kind of not skip grammar and all that, but like t I would teach somebody sort of how to like speak casually first and then work backwards from there. Yep. That was always my beef with learning French in school was like, we were starting so technical first. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. Right. I don't care that this is a 
pronoun or masculine feminine blah blah yeah, like yeah. i don't know what i'm trying to say so teach me the casual way of saying it first and then let's work backwards and then i know what i'm like i don't know that's how i naturally would en- have enjoyed learning a language so i feel like that's and that's what you did with them right and you start off that way and then obviously you have some students that really want to learn grammar so i mean you you learn a lot about your own language when you start teaching that um so, you know, I can get, like, I got very, very technical with, with grammar and everything. So it's, it's really good if you wanted to, like, teach uh, English. It's not necessary that you you have to be some, like, you know, university-level um, professor of, of, you know, English literature. Mm-hmm. But to understand the basics of grammar and how to explain that to students. Because you can learn that day. And if you have a good way of explaining grammar to students and explaining how to, to use it, um, then... You know, you can you can you know make students very very happy for it. And in Asia, um, learning English is definitely a business. They're not technically students so much as they are customers. Right. So you always want to make sure the customer's happy. Right. And I guess and so would their parents have to pay for this education, or was it part <laughs> oh of their school? Oh no, they pay so much money. Wow. Because I guess like maybe the goal is eventually to probably come over here. Yeah. Or, or at least to be able to when they do decide to to go to university and they want to go to Canada or um, America or England, um, Australia, um, it's easier for them to exist inside the classrooms. Right. You know, and they don't have to sp- spend so much time in like ESL courses while mm-hmm. they get over here. Um, so it just kind of like you know fast tracks them. Okay. You know, and, and obviously like it's also like just knowing other languages is just. Like so beneficial. much better. Like, it's yeah. so much better. Especially but, English, because yes. it's sort of the world's, yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, language. Right. Um, okay, cool. So, and then you, what made you stay over there for 10 years? What Were you, were you teaching English that whole time? Um, you start teaching English for the visa, and then you start realizing there's other ways to do the visa, and then you start doing what you want, and that's when I really just <laughs> went, like, face first into photography and didn't even nice. look back. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, I just went full on into photography and like you know and were you more like reaching out to people to get new clients or were you just taking as many photos a as lot of, possible a lot of my initial time there was very much me just out in the streets like just shooting and just pushing myself to get closer and closer and closer to people until like I can literally stand in front of a human being one inch away shoot a photograph look them dead in their eye smile and walk away from them and I don't feel any fear mm-hmm. that takes years yeah. to get so a lot of people like you see them sneaking around and stuff I'm not that guy if I roll up on you in the street I just took your photograph yeah it happened real quick <laughs> but I did it <laughs> but it did happen but know? also you know what it's so because I'm very um uh video uh friendly I guess so I do a lot of Instagram videos and I still get stairs and and I also don't care it took like a while to build up as well like Mm -hmm. you mentioned but I'm like but are you really wondering what I'm doing right now like isn't it so obvious that I'm looking at my phone and I'm speaking into it I have to be taking an Instagram video or a Snapchat or on like a FaceTime call like are we still wondering about especially in 2019 yeah I mean like like it's weird that people are weirded out by it yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we over, like, yeah, we put everything out there. Everyone's got their cell phones out. Everyone's recording. Everyone's taking pictures. Like, we're, everything is recorded, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that, you know, oh, my God, like, what's this person doing is weird. It's like, no, that's it's like, not like, obviously, odd. this person's trying to take yes. your photograph, and yeah. then... He's so, and you. usually <laughs> the way that it works with me is because of how close I am to my subject, the proximity is the big thing. Because if I get close to you with my camera and I just take a photograph, most people do not imagine a photograph being taken at such close proximity. Mm-hmm. So the the normal reaction for people is to look behind them. Oh, because they're like, this guy possibly cannot no be way shooting is this human me. Being taking a like photograph this close. Of me. So are we talking like? And I know people can't see what I'm doing right now, but like a fist in front of your I've face done it. or like. So, okay. But most of the time, like, I would say, like, I don't know, like, half a foot okay. is the usual. Like, I'm, like, yeah, I'm about there from someone. Okay. You know, I just, I roll And do you have a big-ass lens on your camera? Um, I use a, like, I use um I use a Fuji X-T2 with a 23-millimeter lens. Um, and so it's, it's very, very close. It's a very small kind of compact uh, unit. Um, if you just think of any standard uh, SLR, like, film SLR, like, that's 
the size of it. It's a digital camera, but it looks like it's film. Um, it's really light, very maneuverable, and it lets me get through the streets. I also use another compact camera, a Ricoh GR3, which allows me to get really close, and it's just super snappy. Okay, very simple, cool. very easy to use. Nice. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm also wondering too. What would you say? Because when I think street and documentary, I think mm. more structural and like just r- more random scenes on the street. But what would you say the ratio is between sort of a more portrait versus the street stuff that yeah, you're taking? That's... Yeah, there's a, like a lot of arguments about that and what what street photography really is. Like the guys are like hardcore. It's like yeah, you know. Yeah. You don't ask for permission, man. Like, if you ask for permission, that's not street. It's it's 100% street to roll up to someone you've never met. Yeah. Talk to them. Take a photograph. Yeah, walking on the street, literally. And just, like, roll off and Mm -hmm. maybe talk to someone else. You can do that. I do a mix of it all. I ask sometimes. And sometimes, and most of the time, no, I don't ask. Because you are, you. it's not you. Mm-hmm. Like this is the the people take it so personal. It's not you. You just happen to be in a situation doing something that I found very interesting. Right, exactly. And I took your photograph. Yeah, like you're it's part not of something really bigger. Really about you. You're you're part of something bigger than that. You know. So, but do you find that you do have a lot? Like in most of your photos, do you have like people in them, or is oh, it yes. mostly okay? So most. Yeah, I don't. I'm not one of these. Uh, like I don't roll around the streets with some long lens sniping people at a distance. I don't like do paparazzi that. style. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all to me like that's you know some that that kind of has become an aesthetic in street photography because of instagram Mm -hmm. um and i think that a lot of people you know they look at instagram as like that's a resource for photography which is really sad because they're missing out on like all all the really like strong photography that has come for centuries like over a century before all of this Mm -hmm. um you know, like I, I know people that look at photographs and they look at, oh, it's slightly blurry or slightly out of focus. And and they like, they kind of dumb it down. But okay, let me show you some like, you know, Henri Cartier-Bresson. Let, let me show you some, um, who else? Like, um, who else? Robert Kappa. There's a lot of like amazing uh, street photographers. Gary Winograd, Lee Freelander, um, Dion Arbus. You look at these these incredibly talented like godlike photographers go ahead and look at their photographs slightly blurry slightly out of focus Mm -hmm. because that's what it was because you're you're capturing something bigger than perfect focus yeah also if it's like the scene then you get it and the thing that really irritates me when i hear about that stuff is like let me see your printed out photographs because mm-hmm. then you obviously care so much about blurriness and sharpness yeah, that yeah, you yeah. must be printing your photographs oh you don't print oh you only see them on your your mm-hmm. your your screen on your um smartphone oh mm-hmm. okay <laughs> okay so i for me i just kind of look at that as kind of a funny thing like don't be don't be so worried about that. Worry, worry about your composition. Worry about your subject. If it's slightly blurry, if it's slightly out of focus, slight movement, that's okay because it's more of that feeling. It's more of the, you know, the bigger picture than just something as basic as sharpness. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's, people hold themselves back because, yeah. oh, it's not sharp, it's not sharp. It doesn't matter, man. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing with this podcast, to be honest, too. It's like, if the conversation is good, then if there is some, like, you know, slight noise in the background in one of the episodes, like, I'm not going to worry about it. It's going to be like, we're here for the content and your story. Yeah, that's good advice, actually. You can't let that hold you back. Yeah. You know, not not everything's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. that's, That's one thing I think that... I think that's one sad thing about Instagram is the fact that we look at other people's lives and we think, oh, it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. But we all know. Yeah. But we all know it's fake. We all do, but then you still, but then people you don't believe it. it. They Or like, mm-hmm. they still think that like, yeah, it's this crazy. <laughs> you still feel like, am I worth this? Yeah. Like, can I do this? Like, Yeah, it's crazy. It is a crazy uh, rabbit hole to yeah, go down. it is. So. <clears throat> okay, so quickly back to China mm-hmm. um, or Asia. Yeah. So you're now not teaching English anymore. And I, I would teach like I do like several hours a week. Okay, like so it. like part time. Yeah. And then um, what were you like? Sort of what were you doing? Like I just want to know about your time there. So were you, you were getting clients? Um, yeah. Did you have any sort of regular stuff happening? Um, um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I did like uh, nightclubs and 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 things in in Shanghai. So I did a lot of nightclub photography in Shanghai, um, like different fashion photography, especially for like 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 smaller fashion agencies and stuff like that. Um, I also found myself I ended up like running bars, like one sports pub and another jazz club. Like I was like managing that with oh. a couple of my friends who ran party companies and stuff like that as well. Oh, nice. Did you pick up the language? Yeah, I mean my. My Mandarin gets me like you know it can get me around when I travel, but to have deep conversations, there's no way that's happening. Okay, could you at one point? Um, if I really tried, I, it would take me a while. Okay. So I don't really you know. Did a lot, just... but did a lot of people speak English in the business world and stuff? Oh, or... in the business world, yeah, and especially younger Chinese people, like they all spoke a certain level of English. So you know you don't really have that problem. But if you go to like you know the you know the western part of China, where there's still like you know there's a lot of development happening, and and there's just so many different cultures out there, and it's just oh, it's awe inspiring out there. Um, it's almost like time travel. You go from a place like Shanghai, which is like the future, and then you go to like this small city in in Yunnan Province, which is like you know just south of uh, Tibet, and you're like it's like traveling back a hundred years. That's crazy. So. I I had a similar experience to that. I was in uh, L.A. and then I we drove to Vegas, mm-hmm. and L.A. and Vegas are also very futuristic. Mm-hmm. Probably not as much as Asia, but for um, North America, they're like you know uh, modern cities. But the drive mm-hmm. <laughs> from L.A. we had to stop in the middle of like I would say smack dab in the middle, probably like the California Nevada state line. And just like get gas and like we went to the washroom and I felt the exact same way. I was like, have I just gone back in time a hundred years? Like it's crazy. And it was crazy to me that we had only been driving, like the total drive is only three and a half hours. Uh We had been driving for like, you know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And I was like, where am I? Yeah, the drop off is real quick. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, this is the wild, wild west in like, you know, Mexico or South America. Like that's how I felt. It was crazy. It was, it's so like astonishing, I guess, because we don't really have as much of that here in Canada. Like still a little bit, if you were to drive from East to West, obviously going through like Saskatchewan and Alberta is like Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I feel like more just farmish versus back in time. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah. Do you end up in an agrarian, like, you know, uh, wonderland when you get into the prairies, but like, yeah, with like, China, it is very much because so much money was dumped in the East, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so much money was developed. Like, in all the money, okay, we have to develop Beijing, Nanjing, we have to develop Shenzhen. Like, Shenzhen, 30, I think 30, like 40 years ago, was nothing but like rice fields. And that's most advanced. It's serious? one of the most advanced. Um, cities in in all of Asia. The place is amazing. And if probably you have a, in the if world. you have a cell phone, if you have Apple, if you have anything, it's all made there. Yeah, exactly. It's all made there. Everything is. made I did there. not know th- as recent as thirty, forty years ago. That's insane. Yeah. That I is mean, that crazy. was part of uh, Deng Xiaoping's um, opening up to the West. So they used like Shenzhen as this centerpiece to kind of show people like oh. this is Chinese ingenuity, right? So that borders Hong Kong. Um, so. When you go to Shenzhen, there's very much like a Hong Kong kind of feel to it, but that's the tech tech center of of China, like bar okay. none. It's an amazing place. Wow. Like it's a, yeah, it's a freak show. It's and did you incredible. live in various different parts? Yeah, of- I lived in um, Shanghai. I uh, lived in Nanjing, which is like same area. I lived in Wuxi. Um, I stayed in Chengdu, which is like from Sichuan, where they very very spicy food. I lived okay. in Shenzhen. Um, and you know little towns here and there just kind of bopped around um so i got to see a lot of the country and i and of course i've traveled like throughout china um so it was yeah it's an amazing place and to say that this is chinese culture is kind of a misnomer because east west north and south is very different right like very very different so Whenever we, well, our exposure to Chinese culture here in the West is very different to the actual reality of what you face when you're there. Right. Because of the movies, you know. Um, Stereotypes. Yeah, we have a very, just, um, we have a very simplistic view of what Chinese culture is. Right. Chinese culture is much, much broader than that. Um, and it's much more, di- much more diverse than that. And I think that a lot of people do get very disappointed um, simply because, no, people aren't doing kung fu there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone is not. Yeah, a kung not fu everyone's artist. doing kung fu, and you know, and not everyone, um, you know, they're not eating the food that you expect it to eat because your your idea of Chinese food is 
you know what you're getting from a lot of the restaurants here but that's been catered to it's like Americanized like Western, yeah. yeah Americanized uh, taste so when you go there you're not going to get chicken balls because that doesn't exist chop suey does not exist oh, these things don't exist this is westernized stuff fortune cookies are a joke they're like are you serious why, I wonder why they thought that like don't we would like them here me. that's so weird it's funny because chicken balls and uh, fortune cookies are the two things that I don't eat when right. I get Chinese I don't like them yeah so you're not going <laughs> to miss that's out so on funny. anything um <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, if you love if you love food, like China is, you know, it's I guess it's like yeah, it's like um, it's a foodie paradise. You can get everything from, you know, like yeah. I mean, this is not to stereotype or anything like that. Do a small, tiny, little percentage of Chinese people in certain parts of China eat dog? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do they eat cat? Yes tiny tiny infinitesimally small amount of people will still do that right and you can do that i've been into restaurants where they have photographs of the kind of meat that they serve and dog is one of them i'm just like okay i will avoid that yeah but however a lot of eastern cultures do not eat cow or pig right and they think that that's really gross and that's our norm so i feel like it's just um, like interestingly enough on that, I, I was on Facebook one day and I saw, um, uh, like this massive protest petition, like, like you were saying, like these people are eating dog and da da da. Um, and like a lot of, you know, us North Americans are quick to be like, Oh my God, that's horrible. Like I'm definitely gonna sign this petition. I have a dog at home, whatever. But then I was looking at it and, and I'm like, unless I'm really a vegan, like I can't really speak on any of these matters because I eat cow, chicken and pig mm-hmm. um, and and cheese and everything. So I'm like, it, it's really, why is one animal better than the other? Like yeah. I have a dog as well. I love dogs, but, and I wouldn't necessarily try it or eat it, but mm. like it's incredibly hypocritical in my opinion to like be so anti that but then it's like you're gonna go cook bacon in the morning like it's just a different animal and oh no I, we just you know view it differently so yeah. it's interesting that but a lot of people if, if it's not their norm they haven't grown up with that they, right they have a hard time wrapping their head around yeah. it and i think also like uh with with uh chinese culture food is a very integral part of family of social life so many many big events and everything it's all going to revolve around food and, and like lots of food so and various types of it and sometimes food represents a level of status that you have been able to oh. achieve so there's there's a lot of cultural meaning to food so it's very unique to walk into and the whole process of eating like there's little things that you have to do and, and little taboos that you can't um you know that you can't kind of like you know do while eating at the dinner table and there's like just little things you have to be aware of you know um so yeah so it's a big big learning experience a lot of fun nice yeah and then when you like what made you eventually say okay i'm gonna come back to canada um well i ended up moving to so i was in china for seven years and then i moved to taiwan um and then was did you notice uh in terms of photography was uh one better different well i'm sure probably different um, yeah. What did you prefer? Hmm. Yeah, that's always been the thing for me. I think that I, I explored China's, like, photographic, like, you know, I think I, I've explored it more photographically than I did with Taiwan. Okay. Um, I think that Taiwan is an extraordinary country, and I think it's, like, really, really beautiful. Um, but at that point, I had been living in, in China, you know, it kind of takes your toll on you a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, so when I went to Taiwan, um, I met someone, uh, we were in a relationship together. Um, and I just, I kind of put my camera down for a little while. I was still shooting quite a lot, but not as much as I was before, because in Taiwan, it's a little bit more calmed down. It's not so much like just this onslaught of visual imagery always every single day like something just to make you say oh my god you know Mm -hmm. like in china like one day i was walking down the street i took a photograph of a guy he had a a turtle um like tied up on a stick alive Um, or it was alive okay (laughs) i took his photograph he got really angry he started swinging the turtle at me so i'm literally dodging this guy on the sidewalk as he's swinging a huge live turtle at me on a rope trying to hit me with this thing so of course i took photographs of it and that (laughs) incensed him even more um but that kind of thing i would see like i'd always see something crazy in china um 
but in in Taiwan it's a lot more kind of relaxed um yeah, it's still still a little bit wild, but they're a lot more like just kind of chilled out because the heat there is just really oppressive. Right. And you're just like, you know what? I, I don't want to get into anything. So most people like to chill outside, drink tea, or just kind of drink their bubble tea. And the food there is is incredible. Again, just because of Chinese being Chinese and and Chinese culture, um, food is an integral part to Taiwanese right. life. So. Yeah, it's um, really impressive. They have uh, their very famous night markets where you can go around and and just get like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And there's like oh, hundreds cool. of stalls. It's really an amazing kind of overwhelming experience sometimes. It's really beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so you took like a little bit of a break to... Um, kind of regroup myself, I guess. Yeah. And then I decided that, um, that it was time to, to kind of come home and... And yeah. did you just kind of wake up one morning and you're like, yeah, I'll go back? Or I think was it was it just like... more of like, it was time. Because yeah. 10 years out. That's, yeah. That's you know, a long that time. does a lot. So totally. I decided that, yeah, it's, it's time to come home for a little while. Did you have culture shock coming back home? Um, or had you visited within the 10 years? No, I've been home one time in 10 years. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And that, that's when I actually had culture shock. That was the first time I had a panic attack. Wow. I was on the subway and I realized like, oh my God, like everyone's faces are different and everyone's speaking different languages and I understand everything everyone's saying and then it just started <laughs> boom, boom, boom and I just like had a panic attack. It's like oh, a sensory overload. Yeah, 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 way too much. You know, That's way crazy. too much. So I just, um, yeah, I had a panic attack and that was the first time I ever had a panic attack. Oh my gosh. That was not fun. Not I don't wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then, you know, went back, did my thing and then I just decided, okay, I'm going to come back. And so then now at this point, like, have you pretty much branded yourself well? Like, you've been doing it for 10 years, photography. Hmm. Um, so had you branded yourself successfully as, like, street and... Well, I mean, yeah, I think everyone, like, knows me. Like, if they know my work and stuff, then, yeah, they know me as a street photographer. Um, I do a lot of other stuff. Like, I don't put everything on Instagram. Um, I do work with other companies, um, but I don't put all of my work up there because it's just not, it's not that I'm not proud of it. It's just like, you know, I don't have to put everything up uh, yeah. there. You know, you kind of get, you know, some people like they use their Instagram as like, oh, you know, this is, this is my level of, of success or the, these are the people that I work for. Look at me, blah, blah. For me, it's more of like, I'd rather show you this photograph mm -hmm. of a random dude I saw on the street because I like that a lot better than this campaign that I shot. Mm -hmm. That one single photo means more to me than it than anything else. That that other thing that I did that was a paycheck. Right, right. This right. is more because I I really enjoy this photograph. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And where were you playing? Uh, where were you like? Um kind of I guess advertising yourself before was it just all word of mouth like because pre-Instagram was I want to say like what 2011 2012 like mm -hmm. before that I guess there was Facebook were you putting some photos on Facebook uh, actually like Facebook was banned in China as it oh, is today um, so yeah of you course. can't do any social media um so yeah like uh I had a like I started my website um which is now completely under construction because I decided to shred it um <laughs> I feel like that happens. Uh, that's a common theme with people who get websites. They're like, eh, okay, like yeah, I'll just redo I'm done it. Yeah, I'm going to redo it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I started that, and it was also through, um, you know, sometimes I would like, I would just send out an email like, I'm in this part of China, and I'm, you know, I'll be around there for a week. So I send it to a travel magazine or to an airline magazine oh, or whatever, okay. and they would get back to me. And then I would shoot something for them. And then they might use me, hey, we need someone to shoot this. So right. you just start doing that. So a lot of the time, a really good thing to do is just to send out those emails. Like, I want to work for, you know, this type of magazine. Well, contact a couple of those magazines. Send out an email with a little bit of an example of your work. Don't just use your Instagram. Because mm -hmm. that's insane. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, it's just so many people have to scroll through. And it's like, it's yeah. too much. Show people what you want. Right. If you want to take those types of photographs, show the client those types of photographs. I can do what you want. Right. This is what I can do. Tailor a small, like, 10 photos of a, of a PDF portfolio for them. And just say, I would really, I'm happening to be traveling to X and X city or X and X country. Um, I'd like to take these kind of photographs. Are you interested in having this for your issue or future issues? There you go. Nice. They may ask you, like, yeah, you know what? We're planning to, in the next couple of months, shoot that area or to, you know, give, you know, go to that country and this city might actually be very, very good. So you can get that. 
for nice. them. So I think it's really, really good to go out and actually not just no one's just going to come to you. Mm-hmm. There are there are so many Instagram profiles, so many photographers. You have to be the one reaching out, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think I and especially when you reach out, show people this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. Like ram your face ram your work into their face and say like this is what i can do this is what you want this is what i can do right and it makes them take notice yeah no that's good because also too um i find that like exactly what you said like check out my instagram or even honestly i get pitched often mm-hmm. and people will be like hey can you like you know share this for me and i'm like okay i'm not gonna scroll through your instagram and like pick something and then like yeah. figure out a caption like i will but send me the exact one and write the caption for me yeah. and then it's easy for me to just like you know yeah. so i believe in doing that for other people too like here is or like you said you know here's three things or four things mm-hmm. and it's like non-sensory overload and then like i don't know yeah that's good advice yeah and and i think that's a lot of that's been lost because we have had instagram so it's been so easy you can just dm people right um but i think going back to a little bit of that like more traditional quote unquote yeah. um sort of way of doing business is like a really good idea yeah and i also think that um like dming is okay but also like not everyone is running their instagram not every company runs their instagram yeah. profile they might have a third party like marketing team that Do, does yeah. that they're, they're not really gonna answer that exactly. so it's good to find out okay who's doing what at that company you can find that stuff out by going on to uh, the website, a lot of time in the contact area, you're going to start finding certain names and look for those job titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then send that person an email. Yeah. And that's really it. And if if you can't find that person's email, go to their contact and just say, look, I want to do X and X, and I think that this is the person that I'd like to contact. What is their email? More than likely, you'll get an email for that. So yeah. you can go ahead and just try. Because what's the worst they're going to say? No. Yeah. Or don't answer you. Then yeah. just move on. Oh, no. Yeah. Life goes on. Keep it's going. true. Yeah. So true. So how long have you been back in Toronto then for now? Uh, three three years. Okay. So you're still kind of fresh from... Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. And how have you been finding it, um, like, getting back into the swing of things? And It's been good. I mean, seeing a lot of my old friends again. Uh, seeing how they like kind of came up and kind of doing what they're doing and also seeing like the new breed that have come in and you know they you know what they're doing I think it's like really really interesting you know Um, and also like just being a lot more confident in my skills Um, so I I feel a lot better you know approaching potential clients and stuff like that Um, but yeah I think that there's a lot a lot of people get really you know, they, they get really uh, put off and, and they they become very self-conscious looking at at the way the scene is in Toronto and the fact that there's just so many creators and so many this, that, and a third. It's like, oh, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you got to give it a shot. You got to at least try. Yeah. And, you know, trust in yourself to be able to go ahead and get, you know, and, and to be able to get the clients and to be able to produce the, the kind of uh, work that you want. I think that you really have to have a lot of confidence. And I think a place like Toronto forces that in you. Because mm-hmm. there's just so much. There it's is always so much. been that way. But I feel like even going anywhere else, unless you're going to a smaller, more rural place, like your own, any other city is even more. More mm-hmm. people, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. So have, do you, have you found that you've come across a lot of people asking for your advice? Um, yeah, I've had, you know, a lot of people get into my DMs and ask me for advice and stuff like that. Um, I've had, I've met a, numerous photographers who've just asked, asked advice or, you know, we just, we just, you know, kick it and just talk, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, and I'm, I'm more than willing to sit down and talk with people and, and chat with them about photography and, and everything and, and try to help someone out. Nice. Um, cause you know, I think that's, that's really important. Um, I learned everything I know by myself. Yeah. Like, that's it. So I don't mind. I'm not one of these people like, oh, no, these are my secrets. No one has secrets anymore. Yeah. Man, and go a... watch a YouTube video. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I think it's better just to be able to sit down and actually talk to people because then you can connect and, you know, you can build a small community, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's a really, really good thing. And in that community, you can bring, build a lot of strength. Thanks. And you can actually help each other out. Because mm-hmm. everyone complains, like, Toronto is, like, dog-eat-dog. Dog. Everyone's out there for themselves. All a bunch of savages who don't care about each other. <laughs> but 
I know a lot of other photographers and we all respect each other and we all like help each other out. It's like, oh man, I got this job, but I can't do it. Yo, Josh, you want to take it? Or, you know, I might have something, I can't do it. Yo, do you want to take this? Like mm-hmm. simple things like that. I got a crew of photographers that I, that I meet up with like on the regular. We all go out shooting together. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's not. It's just like hangout session, whatever, but it's a lot of fun because you also build your skills off each mm-hmm. other. Um, there's also like... Um, I think there's um, a lot of like classes and stuff like the uh, Creator Lab. They do oh, a lot that? of um, like the Canon Creator Lab. They do it up at a free space or something. Oh, okay. Um, and they always bring in amazing photographers um, and share skills. And they have like, you know, they have skill skill sharing classes where nice. you can learn a lot for free. That's Just awesome. Just sign up. You know, reserve your spot, and there you go. You can get talks. You can get all this other stuff from them. There is so much of that that's especially popping up, I feel like, in the last six months so to much. a year, but no one knows about no it. No one knows. And, and that, like, which is really amazing. Yeah. you think that it would be out there more, but I only stumbled across this because another uh, photographer friend of mine put me onto it. And I was nice. like, what? Are know, you kidding me? Yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. Yeah, honestly. So, yeah. so do you have any, like... Um, pinnacle goals that you're trying to hit within the next you know five ten whatever years yeah i mean i think my main thing now is just as much as i like some of the photos that i that i do and the work that i do i really do want to focus more into like like documentary especially focusing on environmental issues um and really just start telling more and more stories i think that's really important i don't want just like one-off images and stuff and just like hypey images i don't want to do that stuff and i don't want just to do it for a company uh for their product Mm -hmm. you know i want i want to get back to what i really fell in love with which is the telling stories and documenting things like the real life that exists all around us and i think that's more of what i want to do so i want to go back but i also want to level that up Mm -hmm. i want to take all those skills that i got I want to take a little step back to what I loved and take all those skills that I have now and then push that into that and see what I can do with it. Nice. You know, go back to the street, but bring it on a different level for myself. You know, I think that's that's what I want to do, and I want to really focus on a lot on stories. So it's more of like really reaching out to more news organizations and really mm. talking to them. That's more of what I want to do now. Sweet. Yeah. That, like, I'll say from all the storytelling uh, mediums that are out there, storytelling through photography in my opinion is so hard to do and and i've seen some really good ones and i'm like holy shit because i just can't believe that like with a still image we're being told something like it's Mm -hmm. easy my medium is talking to the person that's where i excel but it's so easy to just tell in words somebody about the story that you're trying to talk about like done very simple but to like have one image telling a story and like sending a message yeah. that is so hard so and yeah. i think we need more of that because we're in a very video podcast you know world yeah and that would be really um impactful i mm. think i think like especially with things like in the environment and and like you know issues that people feel strongly about i think it's the more impactful you can be the yeah. faster things spread and then the more the message gets across yeah i mean like there was a image taken by nat geo photographer i think it was uh, paul nicholson um it's of a, like a, an emaciated um polar bear like it was oh a really famous photograph just taken a couple years ago this emaciated uh, polar bear and just realized like this thing because of the ice flows it wasn't able to eat enough everything oh, else no. this thing would have obviously died yeah um it's a really terrifying image and you realize like nope that's that's in one image you're showing the actual reality that so many of these animals and what our environment is facing which is absolute destruction yeah and like you know eradication because yeah. it is an extinction level event we're living through now so i think it's really important that that people really start paying attention mm-hmm. like really look really really look like the signs were all there yeah. you can you can duck your head in your phone you can duck your head in your netflix you can you can dive away and run away all you want but one day it's going to hit you in the face and you're not ready for that yeah you know? like you can keep feeding yourself with a lot of stuff that's not important what's really important is it's like that environment mental impact is going to impact us all mm-hmm. and it's going to hit us and it's going to hit us hard yeah and i think it's important for a lot of people to start telling those stories from wherever they are in the world yeah whatever you can do not everyone can like travel the entire world but like you can focus on your community yes, exactly or like a lot of people don't think like in canada like 
we're we're known in the world like as this environmentally this clean, friendly, clean, clean, amazing country. Maybe Vancouver. I don't know yeah, about here. <laughs> go out to go out to the Alberta oil sands and look at the devastation yeah. wrought by that. Like I have a friend of mine who's um, who's spent ten years out there documenting and building oh, an wow. entire story out there, um, and his work is incredible. Um, so we have to face our own reality and understand that we're not really that much better than others and then to say that oh we're we're better than you know china's pollution yeah but why are we comparing mm-hmm. ourselves that doesn't make that us country? good <laughs> it doesn't make us good why can't we compare ourselves look what we're doing how can we improve that and make that better mm-hmm. you don't do it for, for the whole world you can also do it just for yourselves exactly and by taking on that personal responsibility saying okay these are the things that we have done wrong because we expect this of people mm-hmm. why can't we this expect this of our society and this of our country these are the things that we're doing wrong. This is how we should correct, correct them. If we expect that of individuals in our society, why can't we accept this for our society and our country as a whole? I do not understand the logic behind that. Mm-hmm. So, That's yeah. true. Amazing. Well, I'm <laughs> confident. I'm sure we'll probably see some of your documentary work oh, coming so. out soon. Yeah, and I hope so. It'll be exciting. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask you about your favorite sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you wear them? Why are they your favorite? Why do you like them? Yeah. Um, so the shoes that I actually have on are my, they're, they're Nike Dunks. Uh, I think they're like a safari pack. These are not exactly my favorite sneakers, um, but I do like Nike Dunks because I always like, because, you know, they're, they're flat, they're low tech, but... I just always liked the way they felt on the feet, and obviously, like they came in so many different colorways and textures and everything else, so you can collect like so many of them. Um, and I was like the high top, not a big like, um, you know, what is it? Low top. Low, low top. Uh, low top fan. Um, but I think actually my favorite style of shoe was like the Air Max um, Air Max ninety. I always loved that. Like nice. I have so many pairs of those. Um, in just various different colorways because I like the width of them. I always like the amount of padding that's inside of them because it was just kind of hug your foot. So I always love those shoes. Nice. Um, but you these should, ones, you should these give ones us a I quick like, like Instagram photo of, or video of your collection of the, <laughs> and submit it. <laughs> yeah, of the bins and stuff that yeah. are just sitting there. Yeah, because I just have so many that are just like dead stock sitting there. Nice. You know? But I also realized too, 10 years out, uh, Nike does not last too long with yes, the glue and stuff. It's oh, true. Oh my lord! I thought they look great. Two weeks of wearing, and I'm like, wait, why is the soul like ripping away from yeah. the body? I'm like, oh no. I know that's so, gonna keep them in good shape, but also yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, over time, it was just yeah, wear yeah, and tear. That was it done. And these things were dead stock. They still look brand new, but the glue was just so mangled. So mm. I gotta take them to someone to get them repaired. Nice. But, There's a lot of places in Toronto yeah, that are popping now, up too. Like yeah, yeah. back in the day, it was like there two was or three none. Done. Yeah. Or you just did it yourself with some toothpaste and, <laughs> exactly. and then a toothbrush, yeah. Nice. Um, and then one piece of advice for somebody that uh, is wanting to become a street and documentary photographer. Yeah. Um, I think what it is is just go out with a camera or your cell phone. It doesn't matter. Don't get caught up on gear. Uh, go out and photograph what you find interesting. So if you find, like, whatever you find interesting out there on those streets, go ahead and take photographs. If you say there's nothing to photograph, you have not been paying attention because there's so much to photograph. Photograph what you're comfortable with. Um, and every once in a while, roll up to somebody, say hi to somebody, and ask if you can take their portrait. And you're going to learn and meet a lot of amazing people just by doing that one simple act. And you start to learn about yourself, and you learn about a lot of people. So that person you see wandering around your neighborhood every day or week, and they look like, you know, just something's off about them. You know, sometimes if you talk to that person, you start finding out that just maybe... You know, they're not as different as you thought that they were. Mm -hmm. And I think, and you start to really learn and respect more and more about society in in general. So I think it's really important to go out like that. So just go out, don't get caught up in the gear, and just go out and take photographs. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. That's it for this episode. And uh, you guys can follow Joshua on Instagram at Joshua Best. Uh, Very, very simple. No underscores, no periods. Um, And you guys can also follow the podcast at Coming Up In My Sneakers. Um, If you're listening on on Apple Podcasts, if you guys like this episode, could you please give it a five-star review? I would really appreciate it. Um, And that's it, uh, you guys. uh, Have a great week. And don't... uh, Oh, my God. I cannot speak this week. I was on vacation recently. 
Have a good week and do not get caught wearing dirty sneakers. <laughs>